Hello, I'm Gemma Atkinson and welcome to the Petcast, brought to you by leading pet charity Blue Cross. This episode is all about finding the right pet for your lifestyle. Anytime someone's applied and, and want a specific animal, it always starts just with a conversation and it starts with us finding out what, what their vision and their dream pet is. This is Kayleigh Hill who manages Blue Cross's rehoming centre in Manchester. It's one of the charity's 34 rehoming services across the UK. Kayleigh tells us how they match the perfect pet to the perfect owner. If we were looking to match a pet to someone who um, have younger children, ideally we'd want that pet to have thrived in that environment previously and know that they're, they're not just tolerant of it but, but really comfortable and are going to enjoy that busy family lifestyle. Um, and it's just about setting it up in the right way. And that's what we do on the Petcast. We have candid conversations around the big issues facing pet lovers like me and you, with some of the UK's leading pet experts on hand to give us their best tips, tricks and guidance. So I'm here with Kaylee. Kaylee, welcome to the Petcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. So it sounds like you are the real matchmaker when it comes to rehoming animals. You're like Tinder for pets. Um, <laughs> tell me about what it is you do. So I'm currently managing a rehoming centre for the Blue Cross that's based in Manchester. Mm -hmm. And we've, we're a relatively new centre, been there about a year now, and we rehome a variety of animals for people, usually when the circumstances have, have changed unpredictably. Yeah. So anything through from really tiny hamsters that we've rehomed, mm -hmm. uh, all the way through to, to bit bigger dogs and, and, and cats and dagoos and rabbits and everything in between. Frankie, you cover all areas of, uh, of pets. Um, I imagine, I mean, I have two dogs myself, so I know how difficult it is to have to have pets. Mm. Um, and I know a lot of people seem to think, oh, I can have a dog, I can have a cat, it'd be easy. You know, what before someone got started in, in wanting a pet, what yeah. are the main questions that you would be, you know, wanting them to ask themselves before they even thought about, you know, taking on the responsibility? Yeah, I think um, first question you should be asking yourself is is how much time do I have um, and to give that animal and also, um, you know, not just throughout the week, but at weekends. Um, how often do you go away on holiday, for example, is something that people often don't don't factor yeah, in. Don't and, consider. and do you imagine your pet going with you on holiday? Or if not, have you got uh, friends, family that, that, that can look after them? Or if they're going to be going into a boarding establishment, that links into, um, you know, have you got the finances available to pay for that? Yeah. And also, um, you know, there's lots of other costs associated with, with preventative vet bills and also the insurance and things it's almost like when we mm. go away so we, we leave Norman and Ollie my dogs we leave them with my mum and it's perfect yes. but when my mum worked we had to put them in kennels like you said and it was essentially like paying for two holidays a holiday for them yes. and you're getting all their food and everything sent and then a holiday for yourself That's so it, it. it is a massive massive responsibility it's a lot um, and with, with regards to work people who work nine to five what would be the ideal pet for someone who's out of the house from nine to five but they do want that companionship and you know comfort at night yeah I think um, so for example at the moment we've got um, a cat on our website called Oscar and he sounds like he'd be potentially a good match for somebody like that because um, we recommend he had free access to the outside through a cat flap whilst the the owners were out so during the explore. day at work yeah. yeah and that is exactly what he loves to do just explore run jump play outside all day 
burn off all that energy. And But then equally, he does enjoy that human company. So when they came in from work, mm. you know, it, in his previous home, he's enjoyed spending time on his owner's lap and, and having some affection too. So it's more so, I guess, I mean, cats are very more independent, you know, much more independent than dogs, aren't they? I suppose a, a dog or a puppy, for example, you couldn't leave on their own for that long. It wouldn't be fair. And you come home to a chewed house, I would imagine, as well. Well, that's it. Yeah, younger animals, um, certainly, we, we don't recommend leaving for more than um, four hours at a time. Puppies or kittens, to be honest. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, just because you work, as you say, um, you, it could be, um, we wouldn't rule you out for a dog. You might have a neighbour who's happy to pop in and, and break the day up for them. Or yeah. there's places, pet sitters, um, things like that. So we're, we're flexible and, and there's, there's ways around things. But uh, yeah, on the whole, I think... Um, as you say, if, if a, an animal uh, and dogs, social creatures, are used to being with people a lot of the time... They want to be with you, don't they? They can end up, yeah, um, showing that frustration in, in, in ways... <laughs> Taking it that, out on the couch. Yes. Um, <laughs> and idea. Where my friend works, um, Natalie, she's able to take her dog into work, into the office. Yes. Um, it's a pet-friendly office. Is that something you'd factor in if someone said, look, I really want this animal, I'm, mm. I do work nine to five, but I'm able to take them in and they can sit under my desk? Is that something that you'd consider? Yeah. And I think it's so good now that more workplaces are becoming open to pets in, in the yeah. workplace. Um, you know, I think there's still considerations to be had. So, for example, you need to think, if I'm taking a pet into the workplace, are there going to be other pets there? So, mm-hmm. And in which case, is my pet going to be expected to be social with them? Um, and then we would factor that in when we're, you know, we're matching um, yeah. a, a, an animal, uh, whether they're social or not. Are they going to ha- be able to have their own space? Um, but yeah, it works really well for people. And, and, and in terms of the benefits for the other people in the workplace too, it can Cheers be a real big stress buster. Yeah, 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 definitely. As soon as I see an animal, it instantly perks me up. Mm. Um, and what about regards obviously I think when people come to rehoming they they think about themselves they're like oh we want this hamster we want this dog we want this cat and then putting yourself in the animal's shoes mm. it must be daunting for them to come from what they've considered their comfort in mm. in your sanctuary and and then they're kind of they're meeting the whole new family so what about families who have you know children or, mm. or pets already mm. it, you know it must be much more specific on what animal you you allow them to go to. Yeah, so that's where um, the history taking that we'll have done and the assess- behavioural assessments really come into their own. Um, so, for example, if, if we were looking to match pet to someone who um, have younger children, mm. ideally we'd want that pet to have thrived in that environment previously and know yeah. that they're, they're not just tolerant of it but but really comfortable and are going to going to enjoy that busy yeah, family company. lifestyle yeah. um, and it's just about setting it up in the right way um, so you know making sure you've had that conversation with your children to, to so that they know how to appropriately handle the yeah, animal don't be and prodding it and pulling its tail <laughs> and stuff things like it. that and just yeah. get them to see it from the animal's perspective a really big key message is to to you know give the animal the choice to come to you. And, yes. and as long as they've got that choice to, to move somewhere if they don't want to or come and, and, the, and the children uh, sort of understand that not all animals like to be cuddled like a cuddled, teddy all the hugged, time, yes. yeah, then, then it can work really well. Yeah. One thing I know people do have to factor in, I know myself having two dogs, um, exercise. Yes. I mean, cats, like you say, they're very independent. They'll go and exercise themselves. They'll go out in the day and come back. But I think especially with a dog you know, you have to be able to take it out and walk it, don't you? 
Yeah. And, um, you know, that's one of those questions you should be asking yourself is um, how active am I? How what do I imagine my dog walk to be like? Do I imagine it a, a, a sedentary potter around, you know, for a, a, around the local streets? Or am I someone who want to go jogging for miles yeah. at, with the, my dog at the side? Um, do, you, do you imagine your walks to be a social thing where your new pet can play with other dogs? Or again, is it going to be more quiet, solitary on your own so it's going to depend where you live as well um but yeah we we really need to factor in um both what what you imagine as the new owner and what that pet needs and a lot of that will be down to its breed as well certain certain breeds you know imagine a a husky they're bred um, it's going to want to run isn't it yeah running pulling a big sled over hundreds yeah. of miles of icy ground. And then you it, get a little sausage dog, you'll be like, nope, I don't want to run anywhere. I've yeah. got little legs. <laughs> Spot of rain outside and the, yeah, like, I'll stay by the fire, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm more dash run than, uh, than husky. Um, and then finally, when it comes to finances, again, I think a lot of people, when we got Norman and Ollie, um, we got all the new dog beds and we got them a crate, we got the toys, we got the food for a full week and we were like, oh, we've done it. And then you think... No, as as time goes on, mm. it's you know the chip, it's the insurance, it's the vet bills, mm. uh, it's the worming, it's the fleas, and it's it's more toys and it's more food. It is a huge expense. So mm. when people always say to me, "Oh, I'd love to get a cat," or "I'd love to get this," I always say, factor into your finances a, mm. a, a big chunk of it mm. because. It, they are expensive mm. and God forbid if anything happened it's even more so for the vet bills yeah and I think um, one common pitfall um, or sort of myth is that a smaller pet is going to be a low cost option a and that's one, yeah. really not the case if you take rabbits for example um, it's really important that you have the, the space and the money to invest in suitable accommodation yeah. uh, you know gone are the days where rabbits are just forgotten hutch, about in a yeah. hutch at the end of the garden you, you need know. a run now don't they yeah and not just a run but it has to be a run that's high enough for them to you know hop and jump yes. and um, express all those natural behaviors and and really they should have constant access to that run rather than people thinking oh they can go into it for a couple of hours then back into the hutch yeah. they, they should have access to that all all the time and t- tunnels um you can it's really fun having a rabbit if you're inventive with the you know yeah. the enrichment but um even with that don't think the initial setup uh, and then you leave them to it you want to change things to keep it interesting to clean them as well clean the new like new my, and when i worked with debbie mcgee she's got two rabbits oh yeah and she is literally her house is kind of built for the rabbit oh, wow. she's got the tunnels coming in the house going out into the garden back in the house yeah she says they have practically the run of the place and she said they're so like they they sit on a knee in the evening and and she'll she said she'll pet them like a cat or a dog and when they've had enough they'll just go back and I said do you not just have them like in a hutch now in the bottom of the garden she Mm. says oh gosh no she said foxes can come in you've got to essentially home them but protect them as well even though Mm. you know they're outside and stuff on their own they still need your protection with things that's right and I think um, one one really nice way to to, um, have rabbits if they're in the garden is is, is a Wendy house set up especially um, if you've got often children will want them as pets but um, they're not as um, they don't always enjoy handling as much as you might think or if they do they prefer often to have the feet on the ground and so a Wendy house uh, means that the the children can go in and sit sit and with be them. with the rabbit without if you think a rabbit's a prey species so for them to be lifted up and petted while in the air for them. yeah they're going to feel overwhelmed with that so if, if 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 your children can sit and like you say let them come to them the rabbit can keep the feet on the ground it, it can work really nicely what are the benefits of getting an animal that's 
that's rehomed as opposed to say a kitten or a puppy or you know mm. a, a baby animal essentially. Mm. Mm. Um, what I would say is uh, older animals their personality is is more established so you, mm. you kind of know what you're getting a bit yeah. more um, and also if you're if you're rehoming then you have that assurance that um, the, the place you're rehoming from has has really asked all those questions about its history and what its likes and dislikes are so mm. so you've got that assurance that you're going to be right for you're that pet right um, you you know that it'll have had um background vet check so you'll know have more of an idea of the kind of uh, medical issues you may be taking on if, if that's something that you're open to um, and also um, for example Blue Cross if you do adopt a pet they will um, provide behavioural advice and ongoing support for the rest of that pet's life oh brilliant so if you encounter problems however big or small we really encourage people don't to feel worried or like you've failed in some way just ask us because that's what we're there for and mm. you know and, and it's normal for things to crop up and it's yeah. nothing to be ashamed about it doesn't mean you've done something wrong it no, just which but means we might human. exactly and we might have just a little tip or trick to, to just help you get back to where you want to be and stop that relationship breaking yeah. down yeah and i think as well from a conscience point of view it must be so rewarding to know that you've you've given you've given an animal another opportunity because i think with animals mm. the thing that gets me is they're so forgiving mm. you know no matter what background they've come from or what circumstance mm. with the right care and treatment and rehabilitation just like humans need really there's the the trust again so mm. i think if you're that person who you know you're sitting looking at your your cat in the corner and think that's that cat's come from the most horrendous background mm. but now he's here taking over my house <laughs> he's plump as anything in front of the fire it must be such a lovely feeling you know to know that you've done something for for an animal yeah i have to say that is by far and away the most rewarding part of my job is you know when as we've seen an animal go into its new home maybe as you say might be a bit underweight need to put some weight on because of the background it's come from or or have have other issues and then to get those updates from the the new owners yeah send the pictures through of them chilling out on the sofa or <laughs> you know on the beach um, some people send us videos and all sorts it's just it, it just really makes everything when you see them living, about, living yeah. the best life yeah um and is there um, a waiting list normally for for rehoming what's the the average time for someone to to go through the process of the checks and stuff yeah, so um, I'd say th there's always a waiting list for people wanting to rehome their animals. There's a big demand that way. Um, in terms of if you're wanting to adopt an animal, uh, most people will apply for a specific pet on our website. Um, and it will depend on um, on how popular that breed is. You know, for example, if we put a Labrador on, on the website, we know we're going to get Everyone hundreds of applications. Yeah, Again, uh, we tend to find older animals will get less applicants and so you might um, if you're open to an older animal um, be more successful quicker yeah. um, so it, it really does depend um, but I, I would say to people you know just because you're not successful the first time don't let that put you off rescue there'll be um, another one for you and and it's always worth doing a, a follow-on phone call to the centre just to say look I, I, I applied I didn't you know I, I wasn't successful for this one but um I'd really like to talk to you about the type of pet I'm looking for and then we'll have that discussion so you're in our mind then 
the next time one comes through the door that we think, yeah. oh, actually, I remember so-and-so, let's call them if they're still looking. Yeah. We think they'd be great for each other. I suppose people have to see it as kind of like a, a job application sometimes. It goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. And mm. the reason it doesn't is because you weren't right for that particular role. Mm. But it doesn't mean you're not good at the job. Absolutely. And I think that's what people need to consider. You know, they don't need to feel disheartened by it. What they're doing is a really good thing. Completely. Um, and what about for people... For example, my uncle, he loves animals and he he would love a dog, but he's forever saying, um, you know, I've not got the time to commit to it fully, mm-hmm. um, but he does miss a dog walk or, the, the you know, the, the companionship. Mm-hmm. Do you do it where there's a foster option, like in between rehoming? What what happens to the animals then? Yeah, so if he lived, um, you know, within the vicinity of, uh, of a rehoming centre, I'd say definitely get in touch because more and more now we're, we're trying to come up with flexible options for people like that. So we mm-hmm. have, um, for example, um, B&B foster roles available where if, if somebody works, they can um, take a dog home for the evening from our centres oh, and then brilliant. drop them back the next day, which is lovely. It means they have a night away from kennels yeah. uh, get that that uh, positive experience outside and then uh, but but that that foster volunteer can still go about doing what they normally do yeah. um, uh, or even like we'll have people that take them for the weekends to to give the dogs a break as well oh uh, which nice works really well oh that's brilliant they can have a little trip away yeah and then come back a little bit fatter <laughs> like we all do um <laughs> before we go kayla you've been great to speak to thank you what would you say if you could put some lists out there of the do's and don'ts for people Mm. who are listening to this and now thinking oh I want to do it I want to be a pet owner what would be the do's and don'ts for them okay so I'd say a big do is uh, consider rescue and rehoming as we've said there's a lot of benefits to that Um, do do your research so most people already have an idea of the the species of pet that they like Mm -hmm. but then breed can be really important too so do your research on that front and think you know if you you might have grown up with collies with your family on a rural farm somewhere but now be living in the middle of a city city, and think so although you love collies and the look of them um you know they're probably not right at that point Uh, that's that comes on to a don't so don't don't make your choice uh, and decision just based on looks yeah uh, because that will lead into potential problems later on um don't impulse buy as you say on online um yeah. rehoming of animals has led to a lot of that um so avoid that um and and do make sure that all members of the family are committed and really involved and want the pet because mm. um you know it may be that your 10 year old child really wants a guinea pig but then you've got to ask yourself the question Five years on, when the fifteen, still gonna want if yeah. their interest has waned and that guinea pig's still living for another couple of years, do the adults in the household are they motivated to keep up the care? Yeah, it's got yeah. to be a family decision, really, hasn't it? And a, a family animal, a family pet. So yeah, thank you for all that you uh, do, and good luck with the rehoming of Oscar and many more. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much uh, for talking to us today. Oh, it's been lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for this petcast. But there's tons more information on our website bluecross.org.uk so whether you've got a moggy or a mongrel a Syrian hamster or a shire horse Blue Cross have got you covered if you've enjoyed the episode feel free to share it with a fellow pet lover or write us a review on your podcast app which will help people find it more easily I'm Gemma Atkinson the Petcast is a Bengal media production for Blue Cross Blue Cross